0: Our Father, and from our risen and our ascended Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. This past week, I was reminded uh, on so many different levels of the importance of communication. In fact, it reminded me of some research we did when we were we were researching our youth and children's ministries a few years back, and we had a team of us lay and lay leaders and staff, and we uh, surveyed a bunch of congregations. And as we were trying to restructure into our current family ministry. And we learned that the number one problem that every one of these churches, the common thing, common between all of them had was, guess what? Communication. It was the number one problem they had. Communication within the church staff and communication from the staff to uh, the congregation and to the communi- community. Because communication is a big deal. It's a big deal not only in churches, it's a big deal in workplaces, in businesses, in relationships of any kind. Communication is important. I mean, good communication is crucial to the health of a marriage, of a family, of any relationship, of a church, of a business, all sorts of things. Communication is a big deal. And it got me thinking about communication a bit. It got me thinking about the whys and the what's of communication. And it got me thinking, why is communication such like a universal problem? I think one of the things is that, on the one hand, people, they just don't know how to do it. They don't have the skills of what it means to communicate effectively. On the other hand, they also think that sometimes people, they just don't communicate at all. Or they don't take the time to communicate, and I see this with families all the time, families especially uh, when they lose a loved one, and they're getting crazy, and they're getting busy, and all of a sudden, you just sit them down to talk without any sort of distractions, and they communicate to one another, and great things always happen when you do that. Another thing I was thinking about when it comes to communication is sometimes people communicate, but they communicate in all the wrong ways. They communicate in terrible ways, and I'm telling you, just this past Tuesday, I saw an example of how not to communicate and also of communicating terrible things. This guy, uh, he was driving this truck, stopped at a light, was kind of uh, had this big giant sort of flag in the back of his truck. It was a racially motivated flag. He was kind of like one of these white nationalist supremacist type of dudes, and he was yelling slanderously at a group of people from a different race than him. And he was also communicating with his hands. I'm not going to do it, but you can probably know what I mean. I mean, it was, this guy was filled with hate. And he was communicating it with terrible images, terrible words, angry body language. And I was like, man, this is 2019. What is this guy doing? Bad example of communication. Sometimes we struggle with communication because of a language barrier, right? Uh, if two people don't speak the same language communication at times, it can be difficult, but I've seen in the world that if people really want to communicate across languages for some purpose, they will actually make it happen. In fact, I was struck by the fact that on the same night, I saw this crazy white supremacist guy who was putting down a different race, different culture, different language. Later on that very same night, I was over by the old Regal Lanes. Remember Regal Lanes? All right, who's been here long enough to know Regal Lanes, all right, all right? I used to play a lot of Pac-Man and Donkey Kong there growing up, all right? <laughs> and a little bowling as well. Anyway, over there, I was over at a store over there by the old Ringo Lanes. And speaking of good communication or maybe effective communication, effective marketing, I want you to try and finish this with me, okay? Well, you won't get a lemon from... Toyota, Orange. Toyota of Orange. man. That jingle's been around since, like, I don't know, since before I was born. Um, but Regal Lanes apparently is now... Toyota of Orange, right? Check out this picture. I took a picture. There's the sign, Toyota of Orange. You're not going to get a lemon there. Uh, and that's the sign up on the old Regal lengths. And the, it's kind of interesting because Toyota of Orange is not letting language barriers stop them from communicating, okay? They have a complete Vietnamese department. I was like, this is cool. I mean, one of my best friends in high school, Tac Pham, Vietnamese. And I was like, I love this. And it looks like they also have a Korean department, too. I think that's Korean, right? Yeah? Yeah. And uh, I had two awesome roommates in seminary uh, who were from Korea, and I just, uh, I love those guys, you know? And in fact, I was like researching Toyota of Orange a little bit more, and apparently they can sell you a car in English, in Spanish, in Korean, in Vietnamese, in Chinese, in Farsi, in Arabic, and I'm pretty sure there's a couple other languages they can do. And I I was impressed by that. And then I heard someone on the radio talking about the United States of America, that there are 350 languages that are spoken in our country. And so all these things are happening this past week. They're floating around in my mind. And this Pentecost text that we read just a moment ago was floating around in my mind. And while when you look at Acts chapter 2, you can pull out all sorts of truths and all sorts of things to, to talk about the church. But I think one of the greatest miracles of Pentecost is communication. And not only that God communicates to humanity, but what that very communication means to us. Now, if you remember last week, we were talking about how Jesus spent 40 days with his followers after he rose from the grave, after his resurrection, and before he ascended to the right hand of God. And in the ascension, we were talking about how when we look up, we see Jesus ascended, we see who he is and that his power, it extends through all the earth, but it's not a corrupt power, It's not an abusive power. It's a power of love and witness. Before Jesus ascended, he said these words from Acts chapter 1. He said, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. But what is the power for? What are we to do with this power? It's right there in the text. We're given power by the Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit to witness. And what is witnessing but communication? To communicate for God. To communicate for Jesus. That's why He's given us the Holy Spirit to witness. To communicate. To be God's messengers. And who are we supposed to communicate God's message to? It says it there, it says Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we could translate it like this. We're supposed to communicate about God, about Jesus, to people that are like us. That's the Jerusalem part, the Judea part, people who are like us and that live by us. The Samaria part is that people that are different than us but live close to us. And the ends of the earth is people that are like us and different than us that live all throughout the world and everything in between. Basically, we're to communicate to everyone. And that power... That power to communicate and that very communication itself means something powerful for us today. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to look at that text a little bit from Acts chapter 2 to see what I'm talking about. So Acts chapter 2 verse 1, we read it a moment ago. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There about 120 disciples And the day of Pentecost, you're like, okay, what does that mean? Um, If you haven't heard about Pentecost before, in the Old Testament, there were three big Jewish festivals, parties, feasts, right? The people of God would come together from all over the world. And it was Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And Pentecost comes from this Greek word. It means 50. See the penta there, the five in there. And so on Pentecost, Jews from everywhere around the world would come to Jerusalem, and they would celebrate the completion of the harvest, And they would bring back to God their first fruits. And so everyone is gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate, to have a party. I mean, it's a long day, a whole bunch of week of celebration. And so this is 10 days after Jesus ascended. And in verse 2, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And that wind, we hear that word wind and it reminds us the very first morning of all mornings back in Genesis when the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God swept across all the darkness and the world was created. And in verse 3, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. What's going on there? Uh, We don't exactly know, but we know that something amazing and God-ordained is happening. But I love how it says, on each one of them. Every one of them. Every one of them was used to communicate the message of God. Not just the A-plus student, not just the most successful and most popular, but every single one of them. Verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Right there, we see uh, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon the followers of Jesus to be his witness. It's a fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And they are communicating for God. That's a miraculous ability given to them by the Holy Spirit. And so, it kind of teaches us today that you might not be aware of this, some of you in the room, but the Holy Spirit doesn't only speak English. In fact... English wasn't even around at Pentecost. It wasn't even a language then. And we see in this text that the Holy Spirit is multilingual. In fact, the Holy Spirit puts Toyota of Orange to shame, all right? They got seven or eight languages, but there's 6,500 languages in the world, and the Holy Spirit speaks every one of them. And seriously, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, how completely opposite is that image compared to that racist guy that I observed this past year? Tuesday, who was putting down another culture, race and language, why, why would you do that? At Pentecost, God's communication to us communicates the importance of every culture, every language, every ethnicity, every human being. In verse five, it says, "Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from where, every nation." Under heaven. Verse six, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them, because each one is important to God, each one heard their own language being spoken, their native language, their heart language. I mean, just this past week, I had another kind of communication encounter. There was a mom who was trying to find our summer camp um, uh, office. Around five o'clock and I was heading home. And so I, I was talking to her. I said, oh, I can show you where the office is. She wants to send her kid to summer camp here. And we were talking a little bit. I was finding out a little bit, I walked her over to the to the summer camp office and we started talking about worship and about churches. And she said, Well, I grew up speaking Spanish, but my kids grow up speaking English, and they go to another church, and she takes her kids to English worship services, but she's like, Pastor, let me tell you, whenever I worship in Spanish, ah, it just means so much to me. Because it's her first language. It's her heart language. And at Pentecost, God honors and and communicates the importance of that. The importance of God speaking to us in the language that we understand. Verse 7 and 8 continues on. It says, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? It's a miracle without precedent. Verse 9, we see all those Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Verse 10, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, our own languages. I mean, just right there, there's 15 different places mentioned cities and provinces and islands, north, south, east, and west, everyone the wonders of God in their own language, their heart language, their native language. God communicating directly to them. Verse 12 is like, they're amazed. They're perplexed. They're like, what does this mean? They must have been, they must have read Luther's Small Catechism. What does this mean? <clears throat> Well, it means quite a bit, my friends, and I'd say there's two things that I think we can uh, talk about, two things that we can highlight. First thing that it means is that God has gone to great lengths to communicate to us the wonder and the power of his love. God communicates to us, and he goes to great lengths. He did it, in some ways you might say, in his body language. Jesus took on flesh. He took on a body. He died with that body on the cross. I mean, talk about the ultimate communication of love and sacrifice. But he also communicated to us through the Spirit at Pentecost and through the Spirit this very day. Because each one of us has heard and experienced the wonders of God communicated to us in our own heart native language. Because Jesus, he spoke Aramaic. And then the New Testament writers, they wrote it down in Greek. Like I said, English didn't even exist 2,000 years ago. But the Holy Spirit found a way, just like at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit found a way through his church for all of us to hear how much God cares for us, how much God loves us, how much God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And that very communication itself of God's love across cultures and language, even to us 2,000 years later, across the the ocean, 1,000 miles away, across culture and language, that communicates to us that we should never, we should never look down on another human being because they have a different culture or a different language or come from a different geographic place or a different ethnicity. But rather, we should look up. our brothers and sisters in Christ as being the very ones whom Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to. The second thing that Pentecost communicates to us, not only how much God loves us and cares for us, that he would communicate to us in our language, but Pentecost means that we have been commissioned and we have been called by Jesus to be communicated. And that, my friends, is quite miraculous, right? In Genesis chapter 2. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, you go back to the very beginning. The Spirit of God breathed life into dust, and the Spirit created a human being. In Acts chapter 2, we see something very similar. The Spirit is breathing life into a cowardly disciple who denied knowing Jesus. And the Spirit created a new man with the ability to boldly speak and proclaim and communicate the truth of Jesus. that was a fisherman. Not a rabbi, not a teacher, not a pastor. He didn't go to seminary. His name was Peter. And he became the first preacher of the Christian church. And we learn in Pentecost that like Peter, we have a place. Every one of us in the room, we have a call. Every one of us have an identity to communicate, to be God's messenger to be a witness to every human being, and maybe especially those who are different than us. The spirit of Pentecost was pushing the church, pushing the church to go, to be a presence of unity, to unite all peoples. I mean, that's what Jesus has been doing. He, Jesus has led the biggest unity movement in the history of the world. There's no other organization that has so much diversity. And when people cried out, what does this mean? Peter stood up that cowardly disciple, a new man by the Spirit. He says, I'll tell you what it means. He quotes the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, which is what we're a part of, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they will prophesy, they will speak the word of God, the truths of God. Peter is saying the Spirit is for everyone. I saw the Spirit come alive in a small way just this past week, just in the parlor right over here, right over there. Pastor Nathan and I, we were gathered there with a bunch of Christian pastors and leaders from the city of Orange. We do it once a month. It's so awesome. We gathered to pray and speak the word of God to each other. There was young people. There was a child there. There was old people. There was everyone in between. There were women and men. There was Anglo, Hispanic, Indian, Asian, and we were praying. It reminded me of the apostles and Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is alive, alive right now, alive this past Thursday, alive 2,000 years ago, alive. The Spirit is alive, and he's communicating to us, verse 21, that everyone... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And because of that, I hope, I hope that we as a church, I hope that we at St. John's, we can begin to look more and more like the global church that we are. We've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go, right? But Christianity, the church is global, and we will be a global church forever in the kingdom of heaven in John, uh, in John, in Revelation chapter 7, says this this is a picture of heaven. And we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they crowd out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Holy Spirit, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.